Welcome to episode 492 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 492 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm exhausted. We haven't even started. We haven't even started, and you're exhausted. And why were you exhausted, John We've been lining up the interviews today, so we're going to spread them over the next few weeks. But we've got uh, today, we're going to have Brent McMahon, and then we've also got Ben Hoffman will be on next week. We're going to have Adam Fox on today, who just completed Ultraman. We've got Carlin Pipes on there uh, to talk, and she's going to be on. In a couple of weeks' time, and then this afternoon we got the old uh, Joycenator. Jumbo, we started at six thirty, mm. and it's only nine thirty. We've only started the show now. I know, Jesus creepers. We're it's here. We're life. here for you guys. It's a hard nut life for us. I'm talking proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes. Xendurance.com, extreme endurance even, or Xendurance.com yeah. or extreme endurance, yeah. whichever yeah, way you uh, want to look at it. Select a buffer with either choice. And our team of patrons. And some of these include a man by the name of Mark Wiltshire, and he's the Mr. Unpredictable, or the Unpredictable. Brian Funny Guy Fallon. Oh, Adrian Foy Foy Moy. Foy Foy. Foy Foy. because he's the league player. Foy James the Feeler Reed. Nice. <laughs> because we've got a singer in New Zealand oh, James called Reed, James yeah. Reed, and, and his band is called The Feelers. Right. They're doing, a, they're doing a, a Christmas tour, John. That's all they are now. Really, <laughs> they are a Christmas show. Yeah, yeah. Um, good on Michael Egan. Meat Muncher. Now, where'd that one come from? I've got no idea. Yeah, yeah. Meat Muncher. We're just going with it. We, we, we can't recall how these things happen, but they have happened. If you want to become Patreon or so, you go www.iamtalk.me and all the information's on the website. Guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got lots of results coming up. We've got our discussion a week, and then we've got the interviews. And today, we're going to have... Today we're having Brent McMahon first up, and then we're going to have Adam Fox. Good times rock and roll. So let's get into some news, Jombo. Well, the big race, well, probably a couple of races happened this weekend, but Ultraman happened in Hawaii, which is the big Ultraman race now, because we now have Ultraman Canada, Australia. Well, it's not Ultraman Canada anymore, it's something else. By the cool. name. But, of it's, but it is an Ultraman distance. Yeah, we've got Canada, Australia. Oh, a bunch, of, bunch of others. Um, is there a UK one? They've got a decker or something over there. I don't yeah. know if they've got the Ultraman as such. But Hawaii is the, the home of Ultraman? It is a small field, though. They usually only have But they limit it, don't they? Yeah, it's only about 30-odd 30, 30 people that, that do it. So you have to have done an Ultraman to qualify. You can't just rock up. And I think they're pretty steadfast in that rule. I don't think uh, just because you're a celeb or you might be a Kona champion, I still, as far as I'm aware, you still have to go and have done another race somewhere. And we had a bit of a dojo domination, really. Mike Coughlin from Canada, he came on Smashed Epic it. Camp back in 2006-ish or was something, something then? around then. No, it was a camp we had. We have actually, from, from that camp, had multiple Ultraman winners. Oh, really? So on that camp, there was uh, Jonas Colting, um, Klaus Bjorling, he hasn't done Ultraman. And then there was Gordo, who has done it. And then there was uh, Mike Coughlin, who's now a winner, and we had a couple of other nutbars who've also done uh, Ultraman. But on this camp, Mike Coughlin just put himself in the box, really? big time. So he's clearly a pretty good athlete, but he, this was when um, Jonas Colting and Klaus and I think Bjorn was on it, Bjorn Anderson, they were in good shape. Yeah. 
They were great and, athletes. And, and Mike is a, was, a, was a good age grouper, yep. and he tried to keep up with them, and he kept up for about half the camp, and then he just completely detonated. Really? He was, he, he was ruined for, for, for quite some time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Clearly. Um, Did he finish the camp? Yeah, he did, yeah, but, but it was... Uh, back of the pack. Yeah, it was, he was boxing on just to, to get to the finish line. I think he had some... Yeah, he really nuked himself for most of that year, I think. But uh, he went out there and absolutely crushed it. So his day one total was 7 hours and 46, and nobody else was really even close to going under 8 hours. Day two, uh, he set a new Ultraman record for the bike leg, 7 hours and 10 minutes. Now, they... As you're going to hear later on, they were assisted significantly by winds, but still, you're going to be getting buffeted by winds in all different directions. So, fantastic ride that really set him up. And then, whilst he lost a little bit of time on the the run on day three, he did six hours and 48 minutes for a total time of 21 hours, 44 minutes, and 18 seconds, which is three minutes off the record. Mm. And he was he was, was sort of he was he was on he was he was pretty close through the first half, and oh no, he was and he started losing losing it a bit and. And then he really tried to pick it up in the end. And, in the last um, half well. marathon, he did a 139, which mm. is pretty good when you consider what he's done. Absolutely. That's f- pretty fantastic. So he got very, very close. So fantastic effort by Mike. Second was David Kalinowski from Australia. And third was Jeremy Howard. And then on the girls' side of things, you had a, a local girl. There was only five girls in it. Um, but she's from... Kona, um, Stacey Studer, she went 10.01 for the first day, 9.42 for the second day, and 8.45 for the third day for a total of 28 hours, 29 minutes, and 28 seconds from Kate Calder-Becker and Beth Brewster. What's interesting about the record is it stood for 17 years. Mm. Like even Colton got close in 2004, but he didn't beat it. So, you know, we've had some high-caliber athletes in that time. And I how his name, Holger Spiegel. Spiegel, yeah. Yeah, of Germany. He, he beat it 17 years ago, so in 1998, maybe, something like that. I think conditions must play. I mean, you've got to get it right. You've got to be yeah. a good athlete, but conditions play a massive part. If you can get some friendly conditions in that race, then uh, then I think it's going to make a massive difference yeah. to, your, to your overall time. So if you happen to get a, a cooler year on the run or something like that, make a massive difference. Combine that with maybe some slightly more favourable wins on day two. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, still an outstanding effort by Mike Coughlin. Nice work. I wonder what the – no, this is totally off triathlon subject here, but what's the oldest world record in – a high quality sport mm. you know because you could probably pull some random tw- tiddlywinks or something like that yeah but if you went like you know in a sport where you know maybe Olympic level sport 39 year old press ups uh, who can do the most press ups at age John 39 John 30 yeah well off the pace two thanks <laughs> you got to get those last two in um, yeah but I wonder what I, I, Swanee know what to know I'll mm. get an email it's pretty much this afternoon because one knows is always good at getting the emails. Athletics. What do you get? Well, there's a long jump one that went for years, but has that been better recently? Yeah, and you've always got those. I think the the shot put world record, like nobody's yeah, ever going to beat that. So I think in athletics, you're probably going to have some dodgy ones. Yeah. yeah, but I think you're right. There was definitely a long jump one that was also done at altitude. Um, oh, was it done at altitude, yeah. was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was held for a long time. How was that, that count? Bob, Bob Bauman. How did that, that count if it's done at altitude? You know, it's kind of like wind assistant. Don't it is, it, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, I guess we had Ultraman. We also had Ironman Cosmo. I saw our old um, 
Chris McDonald on Facebook saying he didn't have a great day. It was a pretty tough day at the office out there. Sixth place. Yeah. Steph, uh, it was a good good close racing. Um, they were really going some, some head-to-head battles out there. But Stefan Schmid from Germany took it out in 8 hours 12 minutes. He swam 47, rode 426 and ran a good solid 253. Um, and he managed to just hold off a hard-charging Matt Russell who ran a 247. Fantastic run. And uh, Michael Weiss who has won there before I think. Uh, and third place in 8.24. Got to say, something's going on in that swim. There's some pretty impressive swim times there. 43.18 from Barrett Brandon from the States. It's a pretty quick swim. And Matt Russell, fantastic run. He's not usually the best swimmer, so 49 minutes. So either it was current assisted or a touch on the short side. But uh, some good close racing. Matt Hansen, who he won the North American Champs this year. We know he's a fantastic runner. Had a bit of bad luck lately. He had... He was the guy that either crashed or had some sort of issues on the bottom of um, Palani and Kona this year, and he was on the side of the road for bloody ages. Um, but I read somewhere he was like out on the side of the road fixing his third puncture of the day. Oh, <laughs> oh, I guess so. That sucks because yeah. like getting one puncher would do you head. And I was fortunate in my own times. Have you ever had a puncher in a race? I'm going to say I haven't, and now I'm going to get one, Bevan. Thanks. Oh, sorry. Well, you're not doing all my career. I have not had one. I have gone back to my bike once before, and there has been a puncture. Um, you know, it must have been a slow one. It was flat by the time that I got there. But up to this stage, I've never had to fix a puncture it's during a race. Touch wood. Uh, yeah, no, no, this no, is crap, crappy plastic. I don't, uh, no, this, this, this table, table is it's poor, poor quality. Poor quality. Yeah, that team's solid. <laughs> Solid top my table. Um, girl side of things. Girl side of things. Good to see Kareen Abraham back in the uh, yeah. winners' circle. She's been battling with all sorts of things over um, this season. She swam fifty three, rode herself back into contention with a five oh one, and then ran a three oh seven. So not uh, you know she's been a lot faster than that uh, on the run. But uh, you know the other girls are only running three sixteen, three fourteen, three twenty three. It's a bloody good woman's field. So Kareen Abraham was first in nine oh six. Leander Cave was second, 9.13. Camilla Peterson, who we saw doing so well in Kona, was 9.14. And then you had Heather Wirtle in there in fourth. And Emma Kate Lidbury was uh, leading the race, I think, for, for a good period of time. So good quality girls' field. Nice mm. work. Mm, it was. And we also had a guy who had done his 200th Ironman race. It's crazy. That is, like, I remember one time at Ironman New Zealand, there was an Asian guy who did 100. And I thought that was mad. Mm. But he doubled that. And his wife, uh, I think it's about 70. So, madness. A little bit about um, Stefan Schmidt, who never really heard of that name because we've got so many so many German um, Ironman athletes, it's hard to sort of keep track of them. They're really, really good, aren't they? But it's a real breakthrough performance from him. So other results that he's had this year, he finished fifth and wrote, um, had a, and then the previous years he sort of had a few fourths at uh, Metaman, at, um, he did a... Um, got second in uh, Wisconsin in 2011 yeah so but what was interesting for, for me on this was if we scroll all the way back where was it he was an age group he winner won, yeah, in Kona in 2010 20, 18 to 24 yeah so that's really again I've, I've said this sort of point before the difference between winning your age group in Kona and being a very good pro there's a big difference, and uh, so he was an age group winner in that younger age group, and it's taken him five years to to win an Ironman. Uh, and then he also went to Kona in 2013 as a pro, finished in 26th place. So good to see him finally cracking through and uh, and making the big time. 
Yeah, it's good stuff. He's only 64 kg, John. <laughs> That's pretty light. That's pretty light. How much do you weigh? Because well, you're not a big man. No, I'm not. A, well, not like, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I usually hover about 70, but if I really worked on my weight, I could probably get down to 67, 68, but that would, that would take a, a bit of work. So normally, so I, I never weigh myself, but I think I'm about 80. Mm. At, at my peak, I used to be about 75. It's all those carbs and meat and stuff. <laughs> you're going to die, aren't you? You're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. Okay, uh, we also, this weekend coming up, we've got a few races coming on. And first of all, as I put all notes up here, we have Challenge Bar Rain, and this could be the first ever million-dollar payday in triathlon. It's going to be interesting because... Well, do we say it's going to be the first ever million-dollar payday in triathlon? What were the old uh, high V paydays? I don't think they were a million. I can't remember what they were. I think they were 500,000 maybe. Or was it 250,000? No, I think they had a million dollar purse. Yes, I think you might be right. Yeah, so I don't think the winner took home a million, mm. but there was a million in the purse. Mm. But this, I think, will be the first time we see, potentially, an athlete walk away with a million dollars in their pocket. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, Daniela Reef, if nothing goes have wrong. You, have you got the field? Yeah, it should, she should absolutely crush it. I mean, she's she's miles in front of a lot of these these girls, uh, you know. So she well, she's only got bloody ten people she's racing against. Yeah, they're pretty good quality though. You got Jodie Swallow and Caroline Stephan who both had seventy point threes at the weekend. I think they both actually got second. Caroline I think. got second. Yeah. Um, you got Corinne Abraham who may or may not race, given she's just done an Ironman. Um, and with all due respect to the rest, they probably won't be challenging those uh, those top girls. But you know, if Daniela Reef say, what would you do if she gets uh, maybe two punches? And if you're one of those other girls, you know, how about you slide me an easy, <laughs> easy handy? Oh, oh, oh no, I want twenty percent of the win. Um, <laughs> she should twenty percent. She should be a show in, but uh, that's a uh, massive. That's a that's a life changer. Like when Danielle will be making lots of money anyway because she's mm. you know she's the caliber of athlete. But a million bucks. That's pretty, pretty significant. Joe was telling her friend, she was listening to Radio Sport recently. Joe's changed because we have Radio Sport in the car. Yeah. And Joe's become the sport expert recently. Mm. And she knows more about She hated cricket when we first started seeing each other. She knows more about the cricket than I do. And well done, Australia. But the umpire. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. It's just a cricket update. Um, but there was, she was telling me a story of this baseball player. One of the baseball teams in America were doing their books and they were missing a million dollars. They couldn't figure out where's this million dollars gone. <laughs> and it turns out that they'd given a baseball player on their team a bonus of a million dollars because he had played well. Mm. But he didn't bank it. He just framed it. Because oh, right. <laughs> it was a million dollar check and he was really proud of the fact he had a million dollar check. Yeah. And he never actually banked it. It'd be nice to have it in a place where you wouldn't oh, bank God, a million dollar yeah. check, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So, well, so, yeah, so Daniela was up against uh, Jody Swallow. Caroline Steph and Corinne Abraham who all raced last weekend and uh, yeah there's, there's not a great deal of girls here so it's a very different feel to what we saw at Challenge Bahrain last year when it was stacked with a huge men's field a huge women's field and now there's only one person left in the running um, what's, what's the payday outside of the million? so it's a $100,000 prize purse so oh. it is a Middle Eastern Championship so it's not like it's a terrible prize no. purse it's reasonable it's got thousand is pretty good yeah and it's got uh, good points so for those guys that, are, uh, that need Kona points it's a good place to, to go to get them so yes it's it's not nowhere near the same prize money they had last year um, but it's all going to be about Daniela Reef and uh, good stuff on the guys side of things we've got Ben Hoffman racing uh, James Carnamard Rudy Wild who is a good Swiss athlete uh, Richie Cunningham so it's a good good quality field um, uh, Brent McMahon may or may not be racing as you'll hear later on. He's he's just uh, seeing what he can what he can do. But Arnott, so again, 
good quality field. One to watch out for. It could be interesting. A guy called Henry Schumann from South Africa. Tell me about him. Uh, he's an ITU athlete. I think he's probably early mid twenties. Um, had some really good results this year. He swims like a fish. Often leads out the ITU fields. Oh wow, it's a great um, And has had some top fives, so he can clearly run bloody fast. Um, but it'd be really interesting to see if he. I don't know what his biking's like. Um, How old is he? Early twenties. I think he's about twenty four. But interesting he's moving like I know it's probably off season but it's interesting well I, what I dare say what he's doing is uh, do this race if he has a good result then he'll qualify for 70.3 worlds which will be after the Olympics oh, okay. so go do the Olympics and then go to 70.3 worlds I'm imagining that might be why he's doing it but he could be one that could uh, shake up the men's field potentially do you think you'll see much of that uh I don't know, I haven't really given it a great deal of thought. I think we'll see certainly see some transitioning after the Olympics. So Gomez is certainly going to gonna see him uh, transition across at some stage in the next uh, year or two. But yeah, this year I don't, I don't think we'll see much of it this year. Most of the guys will be pretty focused on the Olympics. Okay. Um, we also have coming up we have Ironman Western Australia. Yes. So Pretty good field here. A pretty good field, yep. So on the, the guys' side of things, we've got uh, Dave Dallow, Dennis Chevron, Luke McKenzie. Who needs when you look at Thorson's rankings, it looks like it would be a pretty great race if based on that. You mm. know, you've got basically 10 guys within 15 minutes of each other. Mm. And um, and no no real standout who, I mean, potentially on Thorson's ratings, David Dallow should waltz away with it. And Luke McKenzie. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, it should be, I think, good good close racing, I think. We'll wait and see. On the girl, uh, Last year we had... Um, who took it out last year? Dennis Chevron took it out last year from Patrick Nielsen and Pierre Bittner. And are all three of them back? At least two of them are back. So should be good racing. Girls side of things, Yvonne Van Vlerken, who's Pierre Bittner's uh, partner. Um, Sarah Pampliono, Maureen Hauf, Rebecca Preston. Kate Bevelacqua. So, yeah, again, only uh, nine, eight or nine girls racing. But uh, you'd pick Yvonne Van Vlerken. But, uh, Traditionally she, a fast race. Traditionally a fast race. Saw a picture of Dave Dwan out there training yesterday. Oh, with, sure a, with, sharp. A, with a group ride. Got to feel good. Everybody else has got their sort of summer kit on. Dave's got his, uh, his jacket on, his gloves. <sighs> and uh, I, I said, what the hell are you doing? And uh, that sort of temperature wearing that stuff. When did he go over? Uh, just in late last week. He's done it a few times, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I think his family's there, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Good luck, Dr. Dave. Dr. Feelgood. I know. I've got a friend who'd call Dr. Dave up in Auckland. Nice. That's all confused. I'm easily confused, John. You know that. Yes. During my life. Um, challenge Lang. Challenge Laguna Phuket. Phuket. So this was on last weekend. So I know it's only a half distance race, but this is the time of the year. Rudy Wilde took it out from Bart Arnott's and uh, Alberto Cassidy. And Tim O'Donnell was there and James Karnama. So nice little field. And a lot of those guys will now be moving on to Bahrain. Simone Brandy ran down Jody Swallow, who faulted with a 129 half marathon. Uh, and Red. Faulted? She faulted. Faulted. She had the race in the bag, but faulted. Uh, Redka Vitakova was in third. Beth Gerds fourth. And. Katie Duffield in fifth. We also had a note, and we'll have a link on our website from Emma Mackey, who was over there racing, and she was the winner of the Tanya Pura competition. Oh, yeah. So she had the all-inclusive right, they, they trip a, over yeah. there, and I think she did the Laguna Phuket triathlon last weekend, had the week there at Tanya Pura, and then she had the Challenge Phuket race at the weekend. And so we'll have a link. She's just sort of done a bit of a blog and Sounds just like a blast. Ra- raving about how awesome, you know, not just Tanya Pora, but the whole experience of being there for that week is. So check that out. 
John, there has been some careful consideration and discussion happening this week. Well, there's two considerations. I'm pretty sure that I saw... Actually, I won't say that because I'm not 100% sure on that. You, you got no, careful consideration. No, give, give me a clue. No. Well, it's similar to your announcement now, I think. Okay. Carry so is it Iron Man Japan has officially been cancelled. Mm. So it's going to be discontinued. So, But it's Iron Man Japan in... How does that one, John? Hoka... Oh, you just go for it. Hoka... Hokkaido. 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 Okay. <laughs> Not quite Hokkaido. No. <laughs> um, only one D there. <laughs> so, discontinued. They haven't really announced another location. No, and the, main, and the main reason is for what they're quoting is that some big bridge got washed out or something and they basically... Just before the race last year. Remember it was a real hassle to get the race happening last mm, year? Mm. And they made it work and they're saying that within the press release that, you know, we've got the, it happened last year. But it's not something we can continue on with. Mm. Now, we know I mean, is this the second I mean Japan race? Oh, you asked me questions I don't okay. know, Bevan. Okay. But what I would say is I'll be really interested to, to know what the feel for triathlon is like in Japan. We don't really understand the market because it's not English speaking, but back in the day, back in the 90s and stuff, and I assume it's still the same, triathlon's... Well, well. I wouldn't say it's popular in terms of a mainstream sport. They sell their races out like you wouldn't believe. It's really hard to You've get into races. Japan, yeah, I've done a couple of races over there. They're massive, huge, big races. Yeah. Um, but traditionally, we haven't seen a lot of Ironman sort of stuff going on there. And I would imagine that's a market that they really want to tap into because um, they're fanatical supporters of it when you get out there. They've always had uh, a really strong ITU presence with lots of good good ITU races in Ishigaki, which is actually way the hell south of Japan at some uh, remote island, not even and sort of on the mainland but they have uh, ITU Yokohama over there and yeah it used to be um, and I assume it still is um, they sell their races out very very easily well look out because it would be interesting to see how long it takes to get another race happening there mm. uh, obviously you think another race is disappearing that's that's your goal. Oh, if you want to stop, I'll, I'll find out and I can just pause. Okay, then. pause. Let's pause. Because people, we're, we're planning to see John. Okay. Here we go. Here's pause. We've been doing this for three and a half hours already today. <laughs> What's another minute for a pause? Here we go. And we're back, and the race that's disappearing is. Well, it may not be disappearing. The Challenge family has announced a change to the venue for the Challenge Thailand in 2016. Oh, okay. Full data details will be announced in early December with a new course that is steeped in Thai culture, striking landscape and history. So it may be that you don't have that sort of festival week. Well, well, well let's not speculate, but there's going to be some changes. Well, well, one thing we can say about Challenge is Challenge wrote, won the best triathlon race in the year for the fifth year in a row this year, recently. Nice work. It's pretty impressive. Mm. Pretty impressive. Jumbo, let's talk about the Helix that we're going to give away. Not so, give away. yes, we've got our... <laughs> uh, so hopefully plenty of you have listened to our recent Legends podcast with Tia Sabesma, and we have got a Blue 70 Helix wetsuit to auction off to support that show. So check it out on eBay. You can go anywhere in the world. So if you need a new wetsuit for this season coming or we're just sort of starting down under or if you want to get yourself set up for next year, check out that link. It's a great way you can get an awesome product support the show and uh we had lots of blue 70s at the house travel triathlon festival last weekend it was fantastic to see best wetsuit in the world and uh great flexibility so check it out on uh fire at iamtalk.me and click through to we'll probably put it up on facebook as well yeah so check it and out. you always get a fantastic deal yeah if you are looking for a new wetsuit it seems to be that you're going to get a deal through this one so check mm. check check it out john uh sponsor athlinks.com yes now, you're going to hear from Adam Fox later in the show. Oh, the Foxinator. Yeah. I was intrigued to see you know, what sort of speed people do Ultraman World Champs in 
Hawaii and relative to what they actually do for an Ironman. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go check it out on Athletics and of course they've got the results up there um, and I had a look at the what year am I looking at here 20, 2013 results yep. and good old James Player oh he's a player that one he finished in ninth place uh, at 2013 he did 26 37 22 yeah so if you're, if you're looking at a 26 and a half hour um, Ultraman race over there you he has got an Ironman time of 10.07 oh nice and he's half got marathon a, 124 Marathon 301. Jeez, James, I don't know if you're a listener or not. But James yeah, is the guy who just always just goes over the top. 301 <laughs> and a 1007. You've got to get sub 3 and sub 10. Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking about Ultraman, you know, you can obviously go onto their website, you can see the results. We have given them a few tips that maybe their website could be improved slightly. But uh, if you want to find out actually what those athletes do elsewhere, you can uh, go onto Athlinks. Check out the results. James Player was there in ninth. Or you've got Keith uh, Keith Burr who finished in twenty eight eleven, and you can go on and see what he did. And Jumbo his Ironman time ten ten forty three, um, and half Ironman four forty. 7k run 17.34 so you can just sort of suss out marathon 306 suss out what sort of standard the guys are that are doing Ultraman give yourself a little bit of a, a ballpark idea on what you might be able to do the player mm-hmm. James he's done he's done some 100 milers as well he, he's done everything hasn't he, is, he? when I looked at that he's, like, look, 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 he's a real good example of why to use athletes because he's got a real long history of some pretty cool races that he's done and ITU stuff as yeah, well he's, and then he's got like, just get, get some, he's got try for fun yeah he's got you know he's got the annual Angel tri- Island Triathlon or run mm. St George Marathon Get feed out. the hungry. You're get actually out. feeding people as you run. Get out there and do some different things. Yeah, that is one thing, isn't it? Mm. We get a bit trapped sometimes, don't we, John? Mm. Get out there. Try some different things. Oh, you got the California International Marathon. Nice. 314. Nice. Yeah, love your work, James. You're a player. <laughs> yeah, athletics.com. Check it out, guys. Also, if you are on athletics, um, make sure you like their Facebook page because they're always they're actually pretty good against some good little in the news feed, some good little articles about you know things that you'd be interested in. So... Check, check, check it out. Athlinks.com. If you haven't done it, do it now. Jombo, discussion of the week. Last week we had a discussion. Who's cynical about the hoops? About the, the hoops. The hoops. You have to jump through to get into the legacy program. That's her, that's and, and I think most people took this question the wrong way. Um, that they thought, are we being cynical about the legacy program as such? And that's not what I was really getting at because I think the legacy program is fantastic. And, and I think that... You know, Annette Lee, who we had on the show recently, she was a legacy athlete this year. She said when they went over there, it was, it was fantastic as well. So, so I'm not cynical at all about the legacy program as such. I was more cynical about, oh, they're making this jump through so many hoops. Is it, Are they looking at it from a, a money-making revenue uh, thing going, okay, let's, we can look after these legacy athletes, it'll be a really good thing and people can aspire to do it, but it's actually going to be a real good income earner because it'll force people to go out there and not force them but they'll have the option to go and get 12 Ironmans done they'll keep stay doing WTC branded races and you've got to stay valid for so long you've got to be involved for three years continuously at any one time to stay eligible to be a legacy athlete so that's where my cynical side of me started to come out a bit Um, because as you would have heard the whole legacy program was announced on I Am Talk um, by Andrew Messick and yeah initially I thought this is fantastic loving it just my, just changing a bit now that um, you've got to stay yeah, active but, for so long but, but well okay so so 
people we've got here, Michael John Scott, I'm in favor of the program. Those rewards who are rewards those who are committed to Ironman but aren't just fast enough to qualify. I'm hoping to take advantage of the program someday. Better than giving lottery spots to those who have never done Ironman before. Only tweak would be to increase the legacy spots to a larger number per year. Um, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Braithwaite said, it also states you have to enter or com- compete. Not so. To be keep eligible, you also have to finish the race. If you don't finish, you are no longer eligible. Oh, so wow. you can't just enter and kind of, they're not just after the money, you have actually got to finish the race. Oh, that's good then. Um, uh, Peter Colson, he's got, uh, I also think it's good, I would tweak uh, to revalidation, the revalidation BS. You could do 12 and then you need to keep doing one a year until selected. Once you're, tw- uh, you're 12, just pay your money, do you still pay or do you wait until your name comes up? Tom Ward, there are better athletes qualifying to race through the legacy than many of the athletes that qualify through the normal age group process. So on this basis alone, I think it's great. Also, I've loved the sport since I started four years ago, mainly because of its inclusive and supportive culture. The legacy program complements this culture. Kona is the dream for many, so why deny them the opportunity if you don't have to? Um, Nikki Sweetman, I like it. As I get slower, my chances of getting there are slimmer. I miss out by 40 seconds one year. Oh, that hurts. 40 seconds. Mm. Um, uh, So as I've just entered the Ironman number 15, it gives me some hope, although now the thought of doing it in the heat and wind scares me more. Nice. Uh, So we got here uh, David Manley. Captain number that count to say three a year, relax the one-year restrictions after reaching 12 to include 70.3s, keeps loyalty without forcing people to kill themselves doing Ironman every year. Nice points, David. You got the question. Okay. Um, Penny Cummings got a big one, but she's got... It was the only way I was going to get... I got, the only way I got to Kona, I entered the ballot on the first year and got it in the second year. I was super excited to finally be able to race Kona. However, I did not feel worthy when training for the race. My fastest time is 10.48, which is actually pretty pretty fast. But I was in fifth position in my age group, so going through the legacy after, she's got 17, but it's 12 Ironmans, was my only chance. I still feel like I got a hospital pass. There is, she wrote a blog about it. I got huge support from people and I knew and that I knew and didn't say that my our dedication was what had developed and grew the sport. At the Legacy Dinner in Kona, we were treated like rock stars and had all the legends saying how amazing we were and for being so dedicated over the years. What guts me now is hearing people say, right, I only have six to enter this year and six to enter next year uh, to get the and uh, finish them under 17 now so I can get to go to Kona. This is not what Mark Allen and the posse had envisioned when they came up with the Legacy Programme. James Botel, the wise one, when it comes to all these questions, yes, they did some analysis to figure out how to increase engagement slash race entries, but they did so knowing they were tapping into demand. Let the data speak for itself. People are trying, uh, people are racing to complete legacy requirements and that Kona carrot is a big incentive. It's a great idea. I would change it to 10 Ironman finishes and drop the requirement for a race in the last year. Uh, I'll finish with Christine McKinley. Good old Christine. She must have a nickname. Grinder. The grinder. <laughs> 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 okay. She's been sporting the I Am Talk cap down at the pool lately. Me and her, she jumps in the lane next door and we've both got our Grinds I Am Talk next year. Yeah. Uh, I think Hart was in the right place. Not sure how you would tweak it, but I feel that athletes should be rewarded more for long-standing service, i.e. numbers of years they've competed in I Man across the board, rather than just cramming 12 into your two or three years just to get a legacy slot. Not sure how I would do that, though. Like that point, Chrissy. 
here's here's what they need to do. Okay, here we go. Here, here we go. go. Here's the official word, team. We came up with the idea. Now we're tweaking it. Okay. Once you've done 12, you can apply and you stay on the list for for um, subsequent years and you move up. And I think that's kind of how it works anyway. So you've done your 12, you get your name on your list, right? Your number 256, you'll be on in about two years' time. So they let you know where, in you, where you are on the list. Yeah. And, and my, my thoughts are a bit like Chrissy said, it gets me a bit the people that are cramming in a couple of years. I'd say the 12 must be over. Which is really funny because you are the guy who always goes, hey, there's rules. No, no, exactly. And I'm saying that's the rules of the moment. I'm just saying the rules need to change. Oh, okay. The rules are wrong. The rules are wrong. So your 12 must be over a six-year period or more. So I think it's bad that people are going out there and doing more than two Ironmans in a year. Don't think it's overly healthy um, and it encourages encourages. So I think it's got to be over a six-year period or more. So you think the more. incentive... Yeah, but they're not going to do this, John. This is a bad... Well, I'm just saying... Do you know why should... Uh, That's the thing. Because, because it, they, what do they want, John? They want your money. I know. Someone who comes and goes, I'll give you... Because the thing is, how many people stay in a sport for the six years? Don't know. Yeah, not many, if any. And there was just a scribe reference. There's a lot of people that stay in more than oh, six really? years. Really? Yes. People who do Ironman for more than six years. Yes. A percentage of people who do Ironman... How many you reckon there would be? Oh, I've got no idea, but I think it's a reasonable percentage. I reckon it'd be 20. Oh, whatever. That's not my point. Okay. It's got to be more than six years. Just shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Get the shut up. I'm right. Wow. Okay. Let's <laughs> just take it to the next level. But here's the, here's the clincher that I think will, would be the, uh, a really good idea. You do the draw two years out. So say, for example, we've just had Kona not too long ago. So a week or two after, you do the draw. And so you would be, you right, you're doing Kona in 2017, you 100, pe- 100 people. And then you have to do an Ironman within that period before you yeah. get there. So there's only a requirement to do one Ironman as opposed to doing three. Because the challenge is at the moment is you, say, say they drew it after Kona this year and said, right, you're in for 2016 half the races are full and you can't get in anyway. Mm. So by doing it two years, it gives you heaps of time to plan. You can slot your race in and you're away. So I know none of this is going to happen, but that's the way I think they could make what is already a fantastic idea into where we're not going. It's really good, but... Well, I think the problem is, it is the heart was in the right place, but then the scoring is screwing you. Yes, exactly. In the system. You because know what I mean? So I think they, they, the, the, the reason for coming out legacy program, and it's the right thing to reward people who have given a lot mm. of time and energy and love to our sport and love the legacy program. The idea that you have to enter every year you want to just be in the legacy program, so you may end up doing five, you know five years more to get mm. to do this legacy slot, to me seems to be abusing the situation a little bit. Because they would have been sitting around the table, ideas, brainstorming, let's have a legacy program. That's fantastic. And then the accountant would go, Okay, how are we going to make it work? Yeah, um, yeah. That's and, and and I don't mind that you have to do it an Ironman the year that you get absolutely. to do it. Absolutely, totally. But I don't think it's fair to say you have to keep doing a, an Ironman every year you enter mm. the legacy program mm. because the problem is you go to the back of the list if you don't do an Ironman one year. I assume you do. Yeah, yeah. You know, so because they do have this kind of it seems that you know if you enter one year then you're going to be higher up the rankings the next year, which is what you want. That's mm. fair. But then at the same time, if you don't do an Ironman, then you go to the back of the list. So it's almost like and you have to keep doing Ironman. Yeah. Now, that's not realistic for everybody, mm. you know, for those 20% who do <laughs> six years worth. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, um, you know, so 
I love the legacy program. I think it's great, and I, and I do hope that some that they can get more slots, especially now that the lottery seems to be yeah, a dead get thing. Yeah, the lottery. You know, like I'm not sure what's happening with the lottery. Yeah, has there only been? No, I've not seen any announcements on that. No, but so the lottery seems to be still up in the air. We could give a few of those slots. Like I do think that you know, with the amount of um, slots that are in races nowadays, maybe most of those will go to races around the world, and that's mm. cool. Um, who knows if the lottery will ever come back? But I think we could give some of those to legacy. Absolutely. But the other thing is, I, I just don't like the one thing I don't like is that you've got to keep playing the game to mm. even be in the entry. You've played the game for long enough to get to this point. Mm. If you've given up 12, I'm not so against the people who want to go nut it out. Uh, oh, I don't think it's necessarily healthy. I agree with you on that front. But if, if you try to nut out 12 Ironmen in two or three years, that's still very challenging. It's very challenging. But, you it, know? Yeah. We'll agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. I, get, I, I also get the other point of that is, you know, we'll reward those who have been in sport for more than six years, but it's only 20%. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, to me, the program's actually pretty good how it is, just that one aspect. If they remove that, I'd go, you know what? It's pretty rocks. I've got a gold one this week. Okay, here we go. Okay. Do you fart? No, I do not fart. <laughs> you know, we don't actually fart much on the show, eh? I know. I don't think we've ever had like a... You sometimes let the old one around. No, <laughs> when did that? Whatever. Sheepers, <laughs> <laughs> creepers. I never. I don't think I've ever. Maybe not on the show, but sometimes I've walked in the room. You go, sorry, sorry. Oh, maybe. Yeah, but it's only been once or twice. Newsom, you're the worst. When you're running with you, yeah, you're the fart poppy machine. Yeah, yeah. Just the plop, 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 plop. You yeah. can pop out. What's your reckon? Your, your record for pops in a row? Thirty-two. That's my, <laughs> that's my standard Jeffrey number. Sucks. Isn't that the number? No, it was 33. 33rd yeah. when McKenzie yeah. finished. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Right, so Here's get, the goal. bearing in mind, you know, this week we've got this million dollars on the line for Daniela Reef. Um, and when the when Challenge came out with this, and what I used to be a challenge. from that? Uh, reasonable percentage. Yeah, 10 or 20. I would so have thought. get 200 But maybe, maybe there's a certain limit that some, I don't know. He'll he, he, he be doing okay. Um so when they came out with this this triple crown thing, which was initially going to be the challenge thing, it was going to be a game changer. There was going to be heaps of money thrown at it, <clears throat> and it was going to change the face of the sport. It hasn't really, um, but it is really interesting to talk about a million dollar prize purse. It's a pity it didn't. So if probably you, nowadays a million is not enough. No, so but hundred million. <laughs> yeah, but if you were in say the shoes of WTC, and I, and I haven't got the amount that they actually pay out in a year, but I have a feeling it's around about three million in terms of prize money for the whole year. Maybe it's no, it's going to Well, anyway, let's just say well, you I'll had. What's let's just say for? you had a certain amount. We'll come up with a number in a minute. Either three million or five million or something like that. They said, right, you are in charge of five million dollars uh, to do the best you can for pros in our sport. At the moment, you know, say there's I think there's six hundred fifty thousand goes to Kona, you probably have two hundred fifty thousand goes to seventy point three worlds, and then you have lots of hundred thousand dollar races and, and so on. How would how do you think you can get the best bang for your buck in terms of getting raising the profile of, of our pro sport, looking after them the best, uh, to spend that sort of okay. say five million. So, um, this is last year. This is from a triathlon.competitor.com article. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about an, an article Andrew Messick doing something about. And they're saying, we believe we do this. Uh, it's not blah, 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 blah. We concentrate more of the $5.1 million in prize money. There you go. There you go. So, five, that was last year. So, yeah. it may have popped up a little bit, but around five mil. Yeah. So, if you had $5 million to spend, what do you think would be the best way to structure it? 
So how do we reward the, that five million for the pros? Yeah, and, and to get the best bang for your buck, saying we want to get maximum exposure, would you go right? We're going to have three races each with a million dollars, and then two million at Kona or whatever it might be. Okay, got I it. Can't wait to hear your ideas on this one. Yeah, I haven't actually thought through it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll be this week's discussion. Okay, guys, we're going to put an interview on. We've got, who are we doing in the first? Brent McMahon. Brent McMahon. Um, Mr. Sub 8, we'll call him. Wow, he really did. Well, he's only got a 50% strike rate now, unfortunately. Not disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> going into Kona, he had a 100% strike rate. Of course, doing Sub 8 in Kona is going to be pretty difficult, and he just fell off by giving a puncher at his recent race in Arizona. But good interview, and here comes Brent. Okay, here we go. Rightio, um, we've got one of the top Ironmen in the world on, also one of the top 70.3 athletes. He's been a two-time Olympian. Uh, his first couple of Ironmans were sub-eight hours. He then went top 10 in Kona and more recently went just a tickle over eight hours at Arizona. Flat tyres. Flat tyre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent McMahon from Canada <laughs> is today's guest. Welcome along to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Um, now you're in Bahrain. Um, I'm, I'm keen to hear about what you guys are doing with the Bahrain endurance over there because um, you know when we we interviewed Macca ages ago, he was sort of saying yes, it's obviously we're promoting Bahrain and so on, but it was going to be a bit more about that and trying to engage with the the locals a bit more. So maybe tell us a bit about what you're doing over there. Yeah, no, um, the team's all kind of gathered in now uh, Monday, but. Um, few of us got in early uh, at the end of uh, last week and so we started with a, a group ride with uh, the local tri club um, and uh, the bike shop group ride so we went out riding with about I think there's close to 60 people nice. and um, yeah it was it was great to sort of get to know the the triathlon community here in Bahrain and um, kind of get their take on on where this the sports headed uh, in this country and um, you know and it's it's cool to see that it's it's growing and that's you know kind of the whole idea is is getting the the sport you know more popular here and ultimately getting more people just into any sport really and getting to be more you know healthy and athletic and um yeah and then we we went to a a fitness facility uh right in downtown uh in manama and um yeah had some fun there did a couple of um you know fun uh exercises with some people there and um you know i think yeah we we've just been trying to you know, get out into the public and sort of let them get to meet us and kind of get to hear their story. And then uh, today, uh, a few of the guys uh, headed out to a couple of the schools and, you know, visited uh, the kids here and tried to get them uh, excited about the, the sport of triathlon. And, you know, a lot of them haven't even, you know, seen one or heard of one. And, you know, so it's, you know, there's there's a lot of learning here. And, and so our goal is just to expose them to to this great sport and uh you know all that it offers now when you went to the gym did uh the whole team go there and did you guys have any little competitions we had bevan requested me to do as many press-ups as i could the other day which 30 was, which, which was abysmal <laughs> which was weak any bench press competition or anything like that uh, no, unfortunately, uh, not. Um, I really wanted to challenge Ben to a uh, chin-up contest, but um, they how didn't have a high bar. And, how many do you, you know, reckon you could so. do? 
Um, I, I think I would come out on top. I got the, I think I got the strength to weight ratio on Ben. So, nice. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, you know, do that after the race and see if we can find a chin up bar somewhere. You got, is there much PR, you know, obviously you're doing the kind of touching people kind of thing is and getting out there with real people, but are you actually getting much exposure in like media over there right now? Oh, it's, it's actually crazy. Um, there's, there's a ton of media exposure over here. Um, that's one thing that they do really, really well with the team is, is getting all of our results every time, you know, there's, you know, with 13 of us, uh, racing on the the main team, you know, there's almost someone racing every other weekend, uh, throughout the year. And, um, so every time one of us races before and after, um, you know, our media liaison goes out and sends it out to all of the, um, sort of Arab region and, um, and then especially in Bahrain. And, um, so all the newspapers are running our results. Um, they have a couple of magazine, um, you know, sport magazine publications here. And, um, the girls are on the most current one, I think the three of them on the cover, and then all throughout it, it's, you know, it's our race results. And um, so they're, they're really actually, you know, taking in the, the media offering that we're, we're giving to them. And um, so it's, it's pretty cool to see that the media is receptive to it here. And they obviously want to, um, you know, promote the health of, of sport in their country as well. And, you know, I think that's uh, with His Highness, you know, participating in the sport as well. Um, that's, you know, when the, the royal family is, is active, then they follow along with that. Now, obviously about your, your own sort of career, I, I think I've read somewhere, have you had the same coach um, since day one in triathlon? Yeah, yeah, I've worked with uh, Lance Watson um, at Life Sport for 20 years now. Wow. Jeez. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, how, it's how been that, a, long, a long time, yeah. How does that relationship develop? Because, you know, like, you can often find with coaches, it's not that they get stale, but, you know, coaches have certain levels of ideas and stuff. So how has that relationship between you and him developed over the years? Um, I think that's exactly it. Is it? It's It's been a relationship that has developed, and I think... Um, I think that's that's the key, and I, I think a lot of you know coach athlete relationships, um, one of them is not prepared to develop or change or you know make sacrifices, and and Lance and I have have both been willing to do that, and at times one of us is a little bit stronger on an idea, and so the other one has to give a bit, and you know, but we've all always both cooperated and and worked together and. Um, I think because we're willing to do that, then, you know, we've always, you know, maintained a good relationship and positive and, um, you know, and so, you know, I've, I've always been happy working with him and he's always been happy working with me. And, you know, I think we're both flexible and, and, you know, and I've been successful for a long time, um, you know, and I've worked hard and he works hard, so. Why uh, why change it if it ain't broke? Yeah, exactly. So um, in terms of uh, ITU stuff, that was what you were, you know, the name of your game before you got into this long distance stuff, and and certainly in in our little Ironman world, you know, um, probably not too many people had heard much about you prior to sort of twenty thirteen or so. Um, I see on the ITU site you started in '98 with the the Junior World Champs in Lausanne. I remember going down and watching that race. Um, what was the deal before that? Were you a swimmer kid, a runner kid, or what were you up to before um, before you sort of got into the junior ranks? 
Um, well, my first, my actually, my first world championship was in Cancun in 1995. Oh, um, I, I, I had, had, yeah, geez. <laughs> well, they, you know, back in, back when I started, the internet wasn't so, so yeah. good. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been at this a long time. Oh, you have, haven't you? Um, yeah. So no, I, uh, I swam in a swim club. I ran in a track club. I mountain biked. Um, I played soccer, you know, downhill skis. Um, I just played all sorts of sports as a, as a kid. And, um, obviously I, I learned how to swim, you know, efficiently as a kid. And so, you know, I actually wasn't that strong at triathlon when I started, I was actually a better duathlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I was second at the duathlon world duathlon junior championships and um and then that same year I was ninth or twelfth at the triathlon world championships so um but I had the the base skills and so you know as as I got older i I focused more on my swim and and then that's kind of when I sort of got onto the Canadian national team and started vying for the Olympics. So, what were any breakthrough performances? Because you know, when we look through your results here, you know, there's there's um, a spattering of sort of top ten results. There's a lot in the ten through twenty, a lot sort of a little bit just outside the top twenty in terms of you know World Cups, World Triathlon Series. Was there any sort of moment there between say two thousand and actually getting to the Olympics where you actually um, really made some some big breakthroughs? Um. I kind of was on, you know, always just on a, a steady upward progression. And, um, you know, in 2011, I won the, the Chisavaris World Cup. And, um, you know, that that kind of year leading into the London Olympics was probably, you know, my, my strongest year. And that was, that was coming off of being injured for a year and a half mm. um, from 2009 through 2010. So... Um, you know, so I, you know, I think it was a combination of having to really focus and, and make up as many points as I could, but also trying to, um, do everything as, as best we could. And that's, that's when I got, you know, to my, my best swim and run fitness and my bike had always been strong and, um, you know, and in ITU, you know, my run, you know, ultimately was, was my limiting factor and uh you know so it's interesting when you when you then change sports and you go to 70.3 or Ironman well you know now which was my weakness is probably my strongest Mm. um you know over the marathon and the half marathon and same you know my swim is obviously a strength in Ironman and you know, and I'm I'm a strong cyclist, but I'm you know obviously not considered a an Uber biker or, um, you know, so it's it's been interesting to see that that change from ITU to to long course and where your strengths change. When you, you know, in ITU, you know, you had moments of success, but you're kind of a bit more of a grafter. Whereas you've come into the the long distance and you've been really successful psychologically. What's what's that difference like for you, or is it different? Um. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely different. It's a different, you know, approach to to the racing. Um, you know, when you, you know, that's that's the thing with IT racing is it's a lot of the time you're you're always fighting the the crapshoot factor when you're when you've got you know seventy guys all heading towards that first turn at 
200 meters <laughs> you know so, sometimes you get there good and you know and you're you're around it and you know the top 15 and sometimes you're you're around it and 55th so um a lot can happen in in just the very beginning of the race whereas um in long course racing there's you know a lot more of it is in your control and um you know and i think over the years and and working with lance um you know he's he's worked with many many athletes over the years long course short course and you know he he always knew and identified you know fairly early in my career that I probably would be stronger and and more suited um, just with my physiology for the longer distances. But I wanted to go and I wanted to compete at the Olympics, and so he followed and joined me on that that journey. And he he put everything into getting me as fast as I could for the the London Olympics. And you know, but then we both had talked that okay, the L- London's London's it. We're we're done with ITU after that, and. Um, and let's go in and tackle this, this Ironman stuff. And, you know, and so, you know, and I, and I'd done, you know, half Ironmans before the London Olympics in 2009, I, you know, I won New Orleans 70.3 and, you know, so there was indicators along the way that, that I was going to, you know, do well at it. And so it was just a matter of time. So tell us a bit about the Olympics, you know, when you, when you went there, um, was it everything you hoped it was going to be um, in terms of the whole Olympic um, experience. experience, and then also the actual Olympic triathlon? Was it was it just another race, or were you absolutely crapping yourself? Um, so tell us a bit about the Olympic experience. Um, yeah, you know, it really is just a completely different world and and such a unique experience. Um, just the the enormity of the whole event and all that that goes into it um you know like you see it on tv or even if you go and attend it in person you you see a lot of it but as an athlete you you're inside of it and um you know it's it it's just it's so crazy um all of the stuff that's involved and you know the accreditation and the the routes you have to take to get in and out of events and training venues and all the preparation just to get you know set up to fly over there and booking accommodation and um you know so it is it is such a a major undertaking in so many aspects and then you know and then the event is you know it's you're always representing your country when you're racing um but on the olympic stage it's just it's just so much more because your country is this that much more involved in your your experience and your journey and so you you do feel a lot more patriotism when you're racing at the olympics and you've got your family and friends and you know millions of people back home are watching the event live and um you know so there's there's a lot more exhilaration to that actual racing of it then and then even the dynamic of the race changes um you know most of the time the packs get separated and you know the second pack ends up losing more time and you know the there's usual things that happen but at at the olympics it was amazing i was in the second group and and i was wholly committed to chasing down that first group Mm. however at the olympics everybody was wholly committed in that front group to not having the second group catch and so everybody is just working as hard as they can and so we literally just chased each other around for all of the eight laps whereas 
normally, you know, there's a few guys that will work hard and then there's 10, 15, 20 guys in the pack that just sit in. And it was just totally different because everybody knew that, you know, it wasn't about earning points. It wasn't about, you know, improving your ranking. It was about putting out your best effort for your country in front of the world. And, and so it was, it was actually really cool. You know, I didn't have the race I wanted to, but to participate and, and put out all of my effort on that course was, it was awesome. That's very interesting to hear because yeah, on on the TV, it, yeah, it, it sort of looks like just packs rolling through um, some of the time. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear that you guys were, were smoking it around there. Um, so obviously, the transition to to long course, you know, you're you're a little way into it now, um, and you've had some fantastic successes so far. How's life sort of changed for you since the the ITU days? Maybe just on a you know um, a financial basis um, and just lifestyle, a lifestyle, and so on. You haven't got that support. Perhaps of the, the national federation anymore yeah it was you know you know when i first made the the transition obviously you know i retired from the national team and and with that goes you know federal funding and um you know and your 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 testing and your you know therapy and stuff like that um but over over the you know last few years of my itu career i i had formed a really good support group of therapists and doctors and um and people that wanted to to help me and and just support me in whatever I did and so once I retired from ITU racing all those same people they just continued to support me and you know and they you know either you know continued sponsoring me with free, you know free treatments or you know, they, they just kind of gave their time and, um, you know, so from that end, not a whole lot changed for me. And, um, you know, and, and in Canada, the federal funding is, um, it's nice, but it's, it's, it's not a huge amount. And, you know, I, I won, you know, my first race, uh, in St. George and that was my whole year of, federal funding in one mm-hmm. race mm-hmm. um you know so obviously it's you know you're you're kind of giving away a little bit of security when you you know you leave the national team but your opportunity to make gains in in long course are um you know they're definitely greater and um and then you're also not you're not traveling around you know the whole entire globe every other weekend um you know i, I can do most of my racing you know in the you know western part of north america mm-hmm. i don't even need to go out east and um you know so your travel costs are lower and your time away from home is is lower so you know my my girlfriend is much more uh you know attuned to me doing long course uh because it, nice. it means i'm I, I may be training longer hours but i'm actually at home training uh versus you know a lot a lot of years um i was gone uh, more than half the year on the road wow, uh, for ITU tough. racing. So it's, yeah, so it's it's nice to be, you know, be where I'm at now um, and spending more time at home. And I've got a house that uh, I need to take care of and mow the lawn and stuff like that. You're so, an adult now, right? You listen yeah. to you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do uh do do you find uh which 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 training do you enjoy better? You know, obviously the short courses it's shorter and faster. Uh, you're saying I'm training mm-hmm. longer now. Which which kind of do you enjoy and which probably suits you better? Um, definitely the 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 longer stuff suits me better. Um, 
you know, it's it's definitely less wear and tear on, on my body, um, which, you know, is, you know, somewhat contrary to, I'm sure, what a lot of people think with, you know, longer mileage, longer runs, longer rides, they would, they would assume that that's harder on your body. But, um, you know, for me, just pushing at that, that max threshold was always a, a very delicate balance of, you know, how many all out 1k repeats can I do before I start to get too tight and I start to, you know, do damage that's going to take longer to, to recover from. Whereas, you know, when I do, you know, more volume, it's more sub threshold and, um, and my body can just maintain that better. And, you know, like I can, I can go do two, a two and a half hour run and, um, I, I don't, I don't get stiff anymore and I've built up to that mileage, but, um, you know, pretty much every time I would do a speed workout, uh, in my ITU training, I'd always be stiff the next day. And, um, you know, so it's, I, I, I enjoyed both. There's one, you know, something nice about shorter workouts where you're just blasting at it and you're, you know, giving it your all. Um, but I, I do like the long, steady, just kind of working through it, you know, slowly building up the, uh, the, the toughness. So with your, um, you know, it seemed that you started off with 70.3s in 2013 and you were, I know you've done a few before that, but you're absolutely blitzing some of those races. You know, you mentioned that St George one. I know there was a few others where you were absolutely dominating the dojo and then <clears throat> and then you sort of merged into Ironman with Arizona and had a fantastic race there and um, those sub-eight performances. I reckon. Um, is is the, is the long you know doing Ironman stuff um, impacted your um, seventy point three speed at all, or have, or have you have you, you know, been able to maintain the same sort of speed that you had um, sort of in, in two th- twenty thirteen? Um, I think yeah, I think we're 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 looking at that, Lance and I, and just kind of assessing what yeah whether that that's actually happening or not, and um, you know I think. Uh, <clears throat> It, you know, we're trying to trying to figure that out because, uh, you know, two two years ago, you know, in 2013 and 2014, you know, I, I ran, you know, a couple of 110s um, in my halves, but so did a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, if you look at the results, you know, later in 2014 and this year, there really weren't that many 110s or, you know, low 111s run. So... Um, you know, so we're, we're trying to decide, okay, well, am I getting slower or is everybody getting slower or is the bike getting harder and faster? And so people just aren't able to run as quickly off of it. And, you know, I know personally my riding has gotten better and I'm riding stronger and faster and pushing, pushing harder on the bike. And, you know, when I do that, I'm obviously not going to be able to run, the same pace but it also means i'm getting off with only one or two other guys you know the last two years in saint george i was in the front group of two or three guys Mm. the first year it was a big group of 18 guys Mm. so you know so it's interesting you know you're, you're trying you're always as an athlete trying to figure out okay well is this making us better or is it making us slower or is the sport evolving and that evolving is actually meaning the run is slowing because guys are pushing it harder on the bike. 
T- tell us a bit about Kona, because um, so, you, you, um, you, you, I had you down as one of my picks. I think I had you picked for third place, so it's a little disappointed. Um, Sharpen up next year, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, didn't quite get it. But you still had a good, a good race, but maybe talk us through your, your, Kona, your Kona day and, and how it sort of fared up to what you were expecting it to be in terms of conditions, the way the, the ride sort of panned out, and, um, and, and obviously the run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was super excited, um, going into the event and, um, I felt really ready and training had gone really well. And as an athlete, I, I hate, you know, I don't like making excuses and, you know, and that's, I don't think any athlete likes doing that. And, um, so, you know, going into the race, I actually felt I was good and strong and, um, you know, but, I felt good swim, bike was great, and I actually felt like coming in off of the bike um, when I heard I was a minute and a half down, um, I actually thought I was good to go. I was like, all right, I have I have this in my grasp, and I think I can go ahead and, and get after this win, and um, obviously that didn't, that didn't play out, mm. um, so it was, it was interesting as an athlete to to be at one moment rolling in off the bike going, okay, I think I can win this to, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm walking through aid stations. And, um, so that was, you know, definitely a a letdown, you know, in, in my performance and in, you know, my goals that I had set for myself. And, um, but ultimately I'd got, I'd gotten there to race and, and get to the finish. And so I, I, yeah, went to some pretty dark places and mm-hmm. struggled through a lot of things just to to get through that marathon. And, you know, and I'm ultimately super happy I did because I was able to kind of crawl my way back up into ninth place. And um, but it wasn't at all kind of how I saw it playing out. And, um, you know, I had been running really consistently. My base runs had been going really well. And so everything indicated that that should not be the way that it, it went. And, um, you know, Lance and I met after. And we really had a hard time figuring out what went wrong. And um, usually we can kind of go, okay, that's that's why. And you didn't do this, and that's, that's the reason. And... Um, there's nothing really indicating why that that happened and you know, whether you know I was properly hydrated I had you know I should have had the right amount of calories and you know so maybe the calories was an issue and I just needed more because it was a hotter day but um, but one of the only other things that was a question mark in the preparation was I got sick for for eight days with a, a high fever and you know, I, it was far enough out that I was able to take those eight days off, get back into training for 10 days before the race. And I felt good in those 10 days. So I, going into the race that I, you know, I'd actually put it out of my mind that I had been sick and I was recovered. And, um, you know, so that's the only other question mark. So, you know, I think it probably had something to do with how my run went, but I don't know exactly why it affected me, but um, it's just one of those things. Um, as an athlete, sometimes you have the answers, and sometimes you just kind of go, "Well, something went wrong," and you know, you try and, you know, I'm going to try and do my nutrition a little bit better next year. 
improve my hydration, not try and get sick, and hopefully it'll all click. And, you know, I've got the experience of, of racing in Kona now, so. The joys of Kona, the joys of... So- yeah. What, what was it like going sub-8? You know, like, cause you, you know, like... Does it was just another race for you, or we, you know, like, because it's just hard to comprehend that speed for you know, in most people out there, even people who are kind of eight and a half, like sub eight's just such an amazing achievement. Did you like? Were you chasing? Tell us about that experience. Or those experiences. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I've yeah, uh, you know, I've yeah talked to a number of people about it, and and in Arizona, it was really. Um, I had no idea I was going sub eight. Um, I I had done um, all the training that I felt I needed to do, and I had actually kind of gone through. Okay, I can swim this, and I can ride this. I think, and you know, on this run course, I think I can run that. And you know, if I'd actually added them together before the race, <laughs> it would have added up to around eight hours or under. Yep. But I never did. I was just, I just kind of had set those goals, and um, and so come race day, I just, I just went out and I just had my plan and I had my strategy and I just went about doing it, and um, and it all went well, and I didn't make any errors in my nutrition, and so I clicked it off, and and then even you know with five k to go, Lance was there, and and you know he's yelling at me, if you stay at this pace, you'll go under eight hours. And I remember just waving them off like, my legs hurt so much right now, I don't care. <laughs> and, you know, I was just like, oh, my like my legs started to get so stiff and so sore at the halfway mark of the marathon. And so I ran 21K with my quads just like so smashed. And so all I wanted to do was finish. And I didn't care what the time was. I just wanted to stop. And... Uh, and then once I got across the, the finish line, I still didn't know what time I'd finished because I never look at my time when I cross the finish line. I just, I'm just i just focused on the finish line. And, and then I ended up getting carted off to the, the med tent because I was cold. And um, and then good place. Lance came in and he was like, hey, you went under eight hours. And I was like, awesome, cool. <laughs> and then he's like, no, like it, it's, it's, it's really good to go under eight <laughs> hours. And I'm like, oh, sweet, okay. And, and I still qu- wasn't quite getting it. And he was like, no, dude, like you have the 15th fastest time in the world for an Ironman. And I was like, Oh, oh, okay, yeah, no, that is pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> and so it was, you know, it was funny because I just, I was just doing my thing and 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 racing and and enjoying what I what I do. So you're um you've, you're in a fortunate position now where you've uh, had that top ten in Kona and you've had your recent Arizona race where you just got nipped out there for for second place. So I'd assume you've got enough points for for Kona almost already. Is that going to be your focus for the next couple of years, just solely um, honing in on Kona, or have you got sort of other 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 sort of plans for the next few years? Um, no, no, definitely. Um, you know, last year when I decided to, to do my first Ironman, it was that was a decision to now focus on on Kona for the rest of my career, and um, that's you know that's what I've wanted to do for a long time, and um, so it's yeah, that's that's the whole focus of every season now is is how we can best be prepared for Kona and and get there healthy, strong, and and ready to race and. Um, you know, so racing Arizona this year was, 
you know, some of it was, you know, I didn't have the race I wanted to in Kona. So I felt like, hey, like, I'm still excited to race. I feel like I still have a good marathon in me. And, um, and so we, you know, we went ahead with racing in Arizona once my body, you know, was okay to race. And, um, you know, I gave, I gave myself a couple of weeks to recover from Kona and get back to a little bit of training to see. And I felt good and I felt excited. So, so yeah, so Arizona was, you know, a great setup for, for next year. Cause it, you know, with a, you know, I think essentially with a top 10 in, in Kona, and then a reasonable finish at another Ironman, you you're going to be qualified for the next yeah. year. So, so with a ninth and a second, now um, I have yeah more than enough points, and so it's great because now I'm qualified and and I have um, the option to you know make my season look how I want to race and and not have a an Ironman kind of dictating how things play out. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing how you go in Kona this year. And uh, just, just I won't be picking you this year because every time I pick people, he's, he's they, a curse. They do really. You say, crazy. please, John, don't pick me. Perfect. So I won't pick you this year. Awesome. And if people want to follow you um, and follow what you're up to, what's uh, the best means for people to do that? Uh, well, Instagram and Twitter. I'm at try t r i Brent McMahon, and. Um, and then, yeah, blog is brandmcmahon.blogspot, and I've got a website too. Awesome. Oh, All sorts of media outlets. Nice. Oh, mate, international man. <laughs> well, uh, no, thanks yeah. so much for your time, and uh, it's been fantastic seeing all these sub-eights. And oh, just one other thing, who do you think uh, out of the current ITU crop, other than Javier Gomez, is, uh, is going to step up and kick some ass on the, ITU, uh, on the, the, the long course circuit in the next year or two? Um, I don't know. It's a good question because I don't, I don't actually, I'm not sure who all, you know, obviously Javi's, you know, done some racing, but a lot of the other guys haven't, haven't even tried it yet. So, mm. you know, until, till a few of them kind of have a go at it, um, you know, it's hard, hard to, hard to pick. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting. The guys that have done well are, are typically guys that are, you know, strong, strong bikers and, uh, often not the fastest runners, but they're strong runners. Mm. such as myself mm. um you know and and obviously olympic gold medalist so do you, you know. se- do you secretly love it when like a, a bevan doesn't do well in long course and you know maybe you're chasing more of the time in the short course career <laughs> is that kind of a secret yeah. kind of win for you <laughs> yeah no definitely it's, uh, <laughs> it's, always, it's always fun <laughs> awesome no, thanks so much for your time we look forward to following you in the next 12 months and we'll see you over in kona sounds good awesome mate thanks for your time it was pretty crazy with Brent how he um, didn't really realise what Saturday meant. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> Whatever. 15 fasts of all time. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah very quality athlete, and we th- I think we're going to see a bit more of him in the years to come in Kona. Cause as, as well, he no, said, he is a little bit older. He's 35. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's got the the goods to get on the podium um, and be in the contention for the win. And he was in the right, as he said, he was in the right position this year, and had he had a... Steady Eddie, uh, I mean, he probably had a steady Eddie run rather than a good run, but there's no reason why he, with a, with a good Could run, he... Minute 30, do you saying? Yeah, with a good run, he would have got himself on the podium. It would have been an exceptional run to um, to win it, but he's uh, he's in the ballpark. Yeah, good times. Okay, John, let's do a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Yeah.
Tactic Buffer, what are we talking about today, Jombo? Uh, so just to reiterate the promo code that we've got running at the moment, IMTALK10, and then that works on both the EU and the US site. So use that promo code to get yourself a nice little discount. And yeah, if, you're, if you're doing any uh, crazy events coming up, any pre-Christmas races, or you're just generally getting ready for, uh, for us Southern Hemisphere athletes getting ready for Ironman or Challenge Wanaka or Ironman Australia, Give Extreme Endurance a try in some of your lead-up races because I think you will notice a pretty significant difference in terms of how quickly you can turn around after races, uh, improved recovery, and it gives you that extra boost by reducing the lactic acid in your muscles when you're actually out there racing. So it enhances your recovery, gives you a boost on, on race day as well, and certified drug-free product. So check it out, xendurance.com. ExtremeEndurance.com. ExtremeEndurance.com. Why Extreme Endurance? And then go to ExtremeEndurance.com. Yeah. <laughs> See how I get told off? Tell me to shut up earlier. You heard it. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> love. Now we've got Adam Fox coming up. He's just literally finished Ultraman less than 24 hours ago. He's got the prize giving tonight. And we're going to hear the crazy experience that he had. A fantastic patron of the show. Oh, what's Foxy's uh, nickname? You tell us a bit more about Adam and I'll uh, just find his... Well, name. Adam, we'll do it after the interview. Okay. Okay, so here's Adam Fox. Right, guys, as you will have... Have you hit record? Yep. Oh. As you will have heard, guys, early in the show, we're, um, we're dedicating a bit of time to Ultraman today, uh, which was on over the weekend, the crazy challenge that goes uh, all around the big island, plus a little bit extra. And one of those guys that was out there duking it out was Adam Fox. He's a fantastic patron of the show, and he also did Noosa earlier in the year to, to book his ticket to Kona, and he joins us from the palatial King Cam Hotel, um, putting his legs up probably less than 24 hours after finishing. So welcome along to the show, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Right, so I guess first thing um, would be, uh, how the hell is the body feeling today? Mate, I'm feeling a bit better than I did after Noosa. Um, obviously, feeling pretty smoked. I've got a couple of toe issues. I, I won't show you my toe. It's uh, it's in bad shape. But otherwise, no, I feel pretty good, mate. It was uh, it was a good experience, and uh, I think I'm riding that that finish high at the moment. So it's good. So, expectations versus reality. You know, um, I saw a few things you've done on Facebook. You've been over there for a little while. You probably know a fair bit about the course, and you've probably spoken to lots of people about it. Um, how did the sort of the overall experience for you compare to what you expected? Yeah, look, it was it was what I expected. I was expecting it to be tough, um, but the wind was much tougher and come a lot earlier than I'd expected. Um, like pre pre Noosa, I was pretty much predominantly all my riding was on a wind trainer just because of where I lived. I had no bitumen. I was in a town, a small town in Western Queensland, so had no bitumen and had a twelve meter pool to train in. So <laughs> it made it made Noosa sort of difficult. I sort of had to moved halfway through the build up to this one, but um, yeah, look, that wind was something else. Eh? <laughs> As you probably know. They talk about Hawaiian winds, but uh, it's not until you get here and experience it you really realise how tough it can be, and that made the course even tougher. Well, I read a report where it said the wind was just shifting the whole time as well, like it wasn't really even consistent. No, it wasn't. Uh, like, uh, day one bike started off, and it was beautiful. We got out of the water, and it was beautiful. It was quite warm. You got that nice sort of 13k climb up Cam 3, but then as soon as we turned down to South Point Road, it was crosswinds, and they were telling us it was, it was gusting 40 miles an hour, so... Mm. It was it was hard to stay even on the road at times, mm. and then the whole climb up to Volcano was a headwind. 
Uh, that it's a long way to go with yeah. the headwind. Yeah. <laughs> Before we start talking through the race, um, did you change your preparation? Obviously, you just said you, you, you moved. Um, for, in, in terms of your preparation for this one versus Noosa, did you do much differently um, in terms of getting yourself in the best shape that you could? Uh, I found at Noosa after doing the first Ultraman, I sort of underestimated what it was like to swim 10K and then jump on the bike for five or six hours. Uh, you know, so this time around, I really want to do a few longer swims with a backup ride straight after. Mm. I think you underestimate what that 10k swim takes out of you, um, because the first hour and that hour and a half in that bike, your arms are just spent, and it's really hard to, to get down the aero bars. At least it is for me. So that was the aim this time around. I did a lot more like longer swimming, and then tried to bike either later that day, that night. I do a lot of uh, morning swims, and then even wind trainer rides at night. Mm-hmm. Or, or back up with a long ride the next morning. So that's something I did change this time around. And so um, it looked like you had the whole flipping family over there. I don't know how many kids you've got over there, but it looked like you were having a, a right old family uh, juggernaut um, leading into the race. Yeah, mate. We uh, I've, got, I've got four kids ranging from two until ten. So we brought them over, and they they came <laughs> over. Uh, we come over two weeks early. Spent a week on the over on the north shore of Oahu, and Mum come over to look after them while we were away the two nights during the race, and then they they were there for the finish, which was uh, something else, mate. Having having me young fellas on my shoulders and, uh, and crossing that line was just a beautiful experience. So, so talk us through the days, you know, talk us through each day and, and how you work your way through each day. Yeah, well, day one, as you know, it's the same swim start as um, as it is for the Ironman here. It's just obviously a lot less people, and they bro a, a carry or what do you a conch shell, mm-hmm. and then off we go. Uh, find your paddler. Look, they were telling us it was a, a northerly current, so I was expecting like a fairly strong current early on. But I think because the tide was outgoing, it didn't seem too bad. Uh, went through the Ironman swim time in about fifty nine minutes. Nice. Um, but then you sort of, as you, you're going towards Kehoe Bay, there's a period there they call, I think they call it White Sands, and it, it was like a washing machine there. The current was all over the place. I wouldn't say it was against us. It was sideways. It was behind us. And it was, I know a few got seasick. One got pulled from the race there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the time itself was all right. I, I think I was at 2.47, which I was, was really happy with. I was sort of aiming for an under three. So, I mean, it, you were getting washed around, but I don't think it made it for a slow swim. Uh, and then just jump on the bike right up that hill. Just then, with, the, uh, with the swim, um, I, I was yep. commenting last week on the show um, that you're allowed to wear wetsuits. So did you wear a wetsuit, and, and is that because of the jellyfish, or what's the sort of the deal around that? Yeah, no, I wore a wetsuit only because it's faster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I didn't come across jellyfish. I've heard of stories of people getting stung, but, but I, I didn't find any. I know there had been a few around, but... Um, mm. But, yeah, no, I, I didn't feel hot either. I did a couple of swims during the week and, and never once did I feel hot. But my uh, my paddler had some cold water anyway, so if I was worried about that, I just would have squirted a bit down the back of the neck. So mm, mm, Nice. Yeah. Okay, so you come out of the swim, and you, as you said, you've got that uh, – it's um, it's a pretty relentless climb all the way up to um, up to sort of up around Captain Cook's and stuff. It's uh, not, <laughs> not overly steep, but it's a bloody long drag. It's a long drag after you swim 10K and you <laughs> – your triceps are burning, but uh, but but I, I sort of knew, and, I, and everyone told me coming into this, you got to respect day one. Um, so my whole idea was just not to push too hard on day one. I just wanted to save for the next two days. I was hoping to ride in around six and a bit hours, but uh, yeah, that wind blew that 
that hopes out. <laughs> so what'd you come in on day one? Bike uh, I think my bike ended up being about seven hours, which is a good hour and a bit slower than I did at Noosa. That just shows you how. I mean, I, I don't know what my average speed is. I, I don't look at my speedo at all when I'm when I'm riding, so I just wanted to get up there as quick as I could without really spending myself. <laughs> and how did you how did you operate your support crew during that that ride? Um, were you pulling over, or were you sort of just grabbing support on the go? And were they sort of jumping like ten k's, or how, how did you work that? Yeah, look, I had my wife. She was my crew captain again, and I had another uh, fella who did Ultraman Australia came over as well to support me. We were just doing handoffs. Um, look, it wasn't any set time they would sort of a bit of a leapfrog method where i'd ride past they'd hand off a bottle or some food um my wife beck sort of knew what i wanted when i wanted because i sort of had a, uh, a race plan out which i'd actually pinched from you john when you were doing <laughs> project 2015 nice. a pretty format to that so she sort of knew and she was keeping stock of me um calories per hour etc so they would sort of hand something off they'd sit behind for 10 minutes and then they'd they'd go in front of me again enough space to pull over and hand off again and it worked really well hmm. um and for anybody who hasn't been over to kona as you're saying that that climb up to volcano we've done it on epic camps uh several times it's a it's a long way it's not very steep but the times we have done it, it's usually been a headwind and it is a bloody long drag it is a long way up <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful it's beautiful don't get me wrong but yeah it, it, it was tough it was very tough and when when, when you sort of you want to go up there quick and get up there as quick as you want, but as you can. But uh, when the legs aren't firing, it's uh, yeah, like you say, it's a long way. Did you have any company out there or not? In terms of other companions? Uh, yeah, look, yeah, there were. Um, I got overtaken a couple of times, and I overtook a couple. But uh, but people were generally riding at their own pace. Um, with with that many crew cars as well, you've always got a crew car around you, so you always mm. know someone's either a couple of k's behind or in front. So yeah, there's definitely people out there and. And other crews are always out there cheering for you, or they'll they'll offer you a bottle or offer you something if you want. It's it's very much a family experience like that. Everyone sort of helps each other out, so it's really it's really yeah, an amazing experience. So day two. Yep, day two. Um, I got up. We we stayed at the military camp there at Volcano. Um, a lot of competitors did. I walked out for breakfast at four thirty. Looked up and it was you know there was not a cloud in sight. I could see stars. Had me breakfast. Went back. Got changed and then it was pouring rain oh really so that whole des- yeah that descent it was boring and i made the mistake of not putting any clear glasses on and it was like needles in my eyes for that descent it was uh it was insane <laughs> again i've done that ride the same conditions and yeah. i don't have any glasses and it is <laughs> horrible thankfully the roads are pretty straight but it's They're still pretty not straight much and pretty fun good. yeah but it's yeah visibility was was pretty poor and uh yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was tough. <laughs> and um, yes, yeah, so what, what was the sort of feeling though after day one, going into day two, in terms of uh, yeah, how the body felt and getting back on the bike? Yeah, no. Every day, it's a funny routine. Like you, you, you get off, you finish one stage, and then you feel pretty good, and then you get your massage, and then I go to bed and I feel terrible, probably up until about midnight. But then I start to feel better, and when I wake up, you almost feel like. Got a few little twinges, but I felt pretty good. Um, felt pretty fresh, so I was ready for a good ride, and and I was having a really good ride. I was sort of averaging 32 k's an hour, pretty much up to about the the 180, 190 k mark. And then unfortunately, we were in a group of three, and um, and and the front fella had a really nasty spill, which unfortunately ended his race. So, oh, well. uh, 
but yeah, no, it, it was it was a terrible experience. But um, thankfully, he's going to be okay. Mm. But um, mate, that that ride up that coast, it's beautiful up there. You got yeah. all those gulches and, and nice bridges, but um, yeah, it was still there's a bit of wind about, and it was and a bit wet. So, mm. and what about over the top? So, if, if, for people who don't know, you sort of go along, you 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 do a loop around this red road, um, which is a fantastic ride. If it's a nice day, then you come down through Hilo, go along all the way through the coast, and then you sort of climb your way up to Waimea, and then you hang a, a right and you head out to, to Harvey, which again is is more climbing. What was it? That, that, I, I guess that can be um, potentially the windiest part of the the race on that sort of. Um, Heading out to Harvey, was it was was that the case? And uh, did anybody get blown off the road? Yes, John, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I actually didn't recce that part of the course when I was here. I thought, uh, no, I know it's going to be a bit windy, and I I knew the climb wasn't overly steep, and I sort of knew what the back section was going to be like. But I was riding; I must have been doing ten k's an hour, and my my front wheel was almost at an angle just to stay on the road. You know, wow. the, the wind was coming from our right. I was trying to stay inside that. Um, like the shoulder line, and I was getting blown over to the centre. It was uh, it was scary. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so I experienced it, and I, I survived, which was a good thing. And do you actually finish in the township of Harvey, or where does the actual bike ride finish on day two? It is in the town of Harvey. It's in a it's in a park uh, right next to the pool. I can't think of the the name of the park. Um, you sort of drop down into, I guess it'd be the eastern side of Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. So then you get out of day two, you, you've had a pretty tough last kind of period of the ride, and then you wake up, and, and you're saying you were planning to try to do sub eight in the run. Um, yep. How'd the run go? Yeah, no, look, I felt pretty good at the start. Um, I, I made the mistake a bit in Noosa where I, I probably went out a bit too hard. I ran the first marathon at Noosa, I think, in about 3.36, which was probably a bit quick. So I was sort of going into this, I think I was trying to run about a 3.45 to 3.50. I went through in 3.52 and I was feeling pretty good, but uh, eventually yeah, the wheels started to fall off a little and I slowed up quite a bit coming in. Um, but I sort of, by that stage, I was just ready to finish and I was happy to finish just <laughs> get through it. Whether I finished 20 minutes quicker or not was not going to change my overall position, so it was just about enjoying that Queen K run and taking it all in and... And it was good. I did a lot of um, Beck joined me for a lot of portion of the run, which was good at the back end. So it was uh, an amazing experience, and I got to know the Queen K intimately. <laughs> it must it must be very a hard slog along the Queen K. It's pretty straight. I mean, yes, you've got the the up and down relief, so you are going to be using slightly different muscle groups. But um, it's a long, pretty straight road. Look, it is. Uh, I think. Looking at the course profile, yeah, like you say, it's it's not overly tough. There's not steep climbs, but it just goes on and on and on. And you've just got that very slight camera to the right, mm. which I think plays a bit of a factor because by, by about 60K, I could feel sort of the uh, outside of my right leg starting to get a bit sore and then and my left calf, which I think was from that, that slight camera. But it just goes on and on, whereas, whereas the noosa runs a bit different because you're sort of going through different aspects of around of, of noosa and you've got different things to look at it sort of seems to go quicker whereas the queen k is just straight down <laughs> what's the feeling of finishing this race is it very similar to the noosa or because it was hawaii it had a bigger bigger kind of achievement factor for you uh yeah i got asked this question last night and it was really one, a hard one to answer um I mean, it's an amazing experience coming here, but I guess it's like doing your first Ironman somewhere and then 
and coming and racing Hawaii. They're both very special. Um, look, it had been a dream of mine for many years. I've, I've heard about the Ultraman back in the late 90s and um, and thought, oh, those dudes are crazy. Why would you ever go do that? But yeah. uh, And here I am, and it's, it's hard to believe. I, I think uh, the next couple of days it'll probably sink in a bit more. Um, I really enjoy the Ultraman dinner and awards night, so I'm looking forward to that tonight. But, yeah, like finishing down the old airport there and getting that lay put over my neck and the cheers and Steve King, you know, calling out your name. Yeah. It's it's pretty surreal and it's amazing, yeah. And you didn't get checked. I noticed you're, what, you're, you're, you're 20, <laughs> 28, 28 minutes in front of the, the local girl who, who took out the race. Um, so yeah. that must have been uh, a good feeling. <laughs> Yeah, one of my mates last time at Noosa said I was the first bloke to get chicks, so it was oh. nice to just around. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it must have been a big investment for you to, to go over there with the family um, for, for a long period of time. Is uh, it, Obviously, it's it's always hard once you've actually done it. And uh, is, have, you, have you got a what next sort of thing? No. <laughs> oh. Look, um, yeah, you're right. It was a big investment, and it's taken. I mean, I've pretty much been going 12 months of Ultraman training. Doing two in really six months yeah. has taken a fair toll, both, I guess, physically and, and you know also on the family side of things. So, uh, what's next? I'm signed up to do uh, Ironman Australia. I've always wanted to race down there. I don't know whether I'll race it as such or just rock around the course. I'll wait and mm-hmm. see. But uh, I think from here on, I know it's actually something my wife brought up. She said. How cool would it be to qualify for Ultraman Hawaii, go to 70.3 Worlds and then the Ironman Worlds? So after this, I think I'm going to focus on 70.3 for a few years and try and get a bit faster and then move on to uh, Kona. You sound like you've got a good wife. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome, mate. She's awesome. <laughs> Anybody else um, to thank for you in terms of people that helped you, you know, get, get to the start line? Yeah, obviously my family, uh, they've been a really big support of mine. They, they think that I'm crazy in some of the things I do. Um, you know, so without, without you know, the support of my wife and my kids, I couldn't do anything, have, you know, do any of this. Um, you, know, you know, seeing me sit there for hours on the wind trainer or heading out for a long run or, or whatever, you know, it does take its toll on them and, and, you know, they've got more work to do because of it. So I really want to thank them. I'll give a shout out to a mate of mine who owns an underwear company. It's called Nobby Underwear. <laughs> Nice. That's K N O B B Y underwear. He does, does a uh, subscription underwear business, and he's got a big New Zealand following. So um, oh, yeah, go. I'll do a shout out to him. Can he do I am talk uh, custom underwear? <laughs> probably. He probably. Yeah, he probably can, mate. Right he's on. a very clever fellow, eh? Right. Let's let's talk on that. <laughs> <laughs> How good would that be to have I am talk uh, underwear at the uh, oh, yeah. at the Andy run? Andy run. Yeah, mate, we could do that. All I'm right. sure we can do it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, any, anybody else? Sorry, I was interrupting. <laughs> Look, I, I just want to give uh, Ultraman Australia a plug. If anyone's listening that's interested in doing Ultraman Australia, I understand there's still a couple of entries available, but if not, there's always a wait list and you always find people do drop out because of injury and whatever else. I'll be there next year to, to help out, so it'd be good to see some of the listeners there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And how long are you... And John, we hope to get you there someday too, John. We know uh, you want to do it. I'm telling you, the way my body is at the moment, bloody 5K <laughs> feels like a lot. But no, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would. Uh, I don't know if Kona appeals to me quite yet, but um, and I would enjoy doing the swim bike. Just a double marathon just sounds like a bit of a crusher. Uh, mate, it is hard. But, uh, mate, the good thing about you know Ultraman Australia is that it's all in and out of Noosa, so you start and finish at the Noosa Surf Club every day, so it does make it a lot easier. And 
I'm sure we could get you to it. Yeah, I'm I sure. reckon next year he's in. He's that last entry. Oh. Yeah, the family, yeah, it's good. <laughs> family holiday, take the kids to uh, just down the road, go do all the water worlds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I could, uh, I could, I could sell that as a package. Yeah, I, reckon, the wife. I reckon you could. Mate. Yeah, I reckon <laughs> we'll put it on the list. <laughs> hey, fantastic! We love hearing from listeners of the show, especially when you do such uh, epic adventures. And I know you had great race in um, at Noosa, and uh, to get over there and do that bloody nut bar thing in Kona is fantastic because yeah. it's not just the distance in Kona; it's the the conditions. And uh, in a sick way, I think it's uh, fantastic for you to have had those really tough conditions on the bike because. Um, I do feel, you know, I certainly felt a bit cheated the first time we did Kona when there was a calm bike ride. You kind of go, oh, come on, where's the wind? So, yeah, where's the wind? Yeah, nice work yeah. And, uh, and enjoy the rest of your time over there. Yeah, thanks, mate. And I just want to say I've really enjoyed the show, mate. I did a lot of travelling when I was up north. Mate, I was by myself. I only lived in a town of 300 and it was really good to chuck your podcast on and I learned a lot. So keep, up, keep it up, eh, boys? We appreciate Fantastic. it, mate. Thanks, mate. Awesome. You enjoy the rest of your time. Yeah, will do. Jombo, the nickname's Crazy Legs. Crazy Legs. Crazy, and which is quite appropriate, really, isn't it? Because Crazy Legs have been through some crazy times over the last few days. Uh, crazy sore legs right now. Yeah, I wonder what, wonder what, wonder what, we probably should have asked him the comparison of the post-race feeling from an Ironman to an Ultra. Mm, he sounded Ultra. like he was doing okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Right, don't, know when, don't know when I'm ready to take out that challenge. One day. You reckon? It's not on my number one hit list, but... What's the, what's the bucket list that waits? You know what I mean? Because like you're, you're young. Yeah, yeah. Are you 40 yet? No, next year. Next year. So uh, I've still got two years. Yeah. Just for the record. Spring chicken. Joe will be older than you then. Joe's, Joe's 40 next year. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm definitely the young man of the relationship. It is funny now because you can't the gym, you? Oh, Hi. No denying <laughs> it. No denying it. I'm just some bloody boy. But at the gym, you know, because every year you get a new bunch of kids who come to the gym, and the kids are like 18, mm. 20 years older than now. Mm. Your dad. I literally am older than some of their dads. Yeah. Scary stuff. Um, we're not doing questions and answers this week. No, we've had two interviews, plenty of content. John, let's talk patrons. Got another another few here. We haven't got any new patrons this week, so come on if you want to be in the uh, the A Kona cool draw. Uh, we've got Paula, the divine one, or bl- blended brilliance green. We've got Collie Andrews, and she's coasting. Coasting Collette. Coasting Collette. Mr. Big, Robert Trotman. Back it up. Um, is it Robin? What did I say? Robert. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Robin. Yeah. Uh, Paul Mango Mad? Yeah. More? Mango Mad More? Yeah. Nice. And then you mentioned her before. Oh, Christine, the grinder, McKinley. Well, she also, the smiling fin. There was another one. I don't know how we came up with that. The grinder. The grinder. Why did you go with grinder? Because she's a dentist and she grinds your oh, teeth. I think right. you came up with it. We, it was a team effort. Yeah, it was great. Because mm. yeah. you know what grinder is, don't you? Yes, I do know yeah. what grinding is. No, but there's an app. Oh, no, I don't know what grinded app is. It's okay. a meetup app for gay men. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know that. And it's a and it's a meetup with a very specific outcome with that meetup. If you know right. what I mean. Right. So there you go, John. I've just educated your mind even oh, more. Good. John sponsors Athlinks.com. Social network for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer, John. By what you goss? Goss, we had the Big House Travel Triathlon Festival. Oh, tell me about it. Had a stunning week of weather leading into the race. Thankfully, we needed it because the water was freezing the week before. And then, lo and behold, on race day, it was pretty cold. About, mm. Probably about 15 degrees or so. Oh, 16. really? Yeah, overnight weather made a difference. Yeah, and I ended up sleeping out at the race flight because, like, A. What do you mean? Yeah, we just sleep. In a, in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had uh, race tents put up. 
because oh, okay. I, I normally have somebody on just doing the overnight security, but um, I was a bit, had a few things that I didn't think I was going to need this year, and then it became too late, and I thought, well, I normally hardly get any sleep anyway, so I might as well just stay out there. It saves an, <laughs> saves an hour and a half of commuting because it takes a while to yeah, get out there yeah. and back, and I'm here, and I'll probably wake up, and I can so just wait, start So when did you things. decide you were going to sleep there? Um, about a week before. Oh, nice. Yeah. Belinda come sit with you? No. <laughs> Thankfully not, because there wasn't a lot of sleeping going on. What is that? Because it's, it's, so it's a, um, <laughs> it's sort of, you know, that your pop-up tents, so it's yeah, not like, it wasn't like a tent tent. like a hell of wouldn't they? <laughs> it was blowing. We couldn't put up half the stuff on the, the afternoon before the race, because the idea is to get all the sponsors' signs yeah. and everything up, and it was so bloody windy, we couldn't put half the stuff up. So A, I'm stressing <laughs> about having enough time to be able to do that in the morning, <laughs> and not have this, this stuff blowing away everywhere. And then, you know what wind's like, intense. Oh, it's not good. And, and the thing about those tents, it's not a tent, it's, like, it's canvas, isn't it? It's yeah. a big, thick stuff, so it's going to make a lot more noise. And I'm semi-stressed thinking, if I'm on security here, <laughs> somebody could quite easily come and just steal stuff from under my nose. What I'll be asleep anyway. <laughs> and a car did pull up, and I was like, I stood up in my boxes and started walking towards him. <laughs> so, and he, he buggered off. I think that's, he saw the chest, he saw, he saw the chest, and that scared him enough. There's a beer! There's a beer coming! <laughs> <laughs> we get bears in New Zealand <laughs> uh, and I did end up getting some sleep but the wind was a bit full on and so what time did you wake up uh, about 2.30 <laughs> and at 2.30 it was pissing down with rain I was like oh for God's oh because it's sake. a poor isn't it yeah. and, and when you're in a tent it, you know, it sounds because it was times howling Oh, so it wasn't a lot of sleep happening. I think I'll be <laughs> revising that brilliant plan for next year. That's cool. You'll be on security next year, Bevan. Uh, yeah, I'll be in the tent. <laughs> what happened? Where do I get this? And uh, it ended up being a fantastic day. We had a new course at a new venue. The new course was Oh, so wait a second. There. What do you mean? So it was on the opposite side of the lake. And oh, why? Um, the other side's got houses on it now. Oh, okay. But what meant what it meant was our bike course was almost there was hardly any um, houses on the bike course, no bumps or anything. It was a really cool bike course, laps of five lap five k. So for spectators, you kind of were standing where our transition was. All the athletes' age group and everything would be coming around. They'd be fanging it around this corner, fanging it around the next one. Uh, so it was a great spectator venue. We had a little kids racing, five to eight year olds made nice. another era there. Um, <laughs> oh, no. well, because Why you, you, you can't. Can't let kids that young get out of their depth, and no, so the idea no. was they were going to be in waist deep water. Yep. But the surf lifeguards, and we had a line of surf lifeguards along the beach. And I initially thought, right, we'll have them swimming on the outside. But the guy just said, I'll oh, just have them going on the inside, and they've kind of got to just yep, follow sense. the line of them. And I thought, mm, okay, it's not the world champs, we'll just roll with that. And so the kids just get in the water, and they just bomb down the beach. They got like knee depth if they were lucky. So <laughs> okay, so it's just a run. And poor old Thomas was trying his hardest to swim, and he just even came out last because he was trying to swim, and all these other kids were just running down the beach. Um, but it was really cool to see the kids racing, and we had a great elite race. So the double double super sprint format is just brilliant. Uh, so we had a big pack of guys coming out, and just for for people who haven't seen draft legal races, when you got these little packs of four and five going, they were just smoking okay. it on the bike, and then it's then it all just splits to shreds on the first run. So it was a three hundred fifty meter swim, ten k bike two and a half k run and then they do it all again so they came off the bike lots of them together and then it just goes to shreds on that first run yeah. and then you have the sort of individual test and guys were just TTing it and the girls held on I gave them a 9 minute 45 advantage which I thought was going to be about right but it ended up being a little bit less just the way the, the, a little bit too much the way the race panned out this year guys didn't sort of get together on that second run uh, second 
uh, sort of second time round and the girls did have a little pack going so yeah Fiona Crombie took it out and Mike Phillips took out the boys race and finished I think he was fifth overall oh nice work any yeah. other goals? No, we did, uh, had a great turnout at the casino, probably about 300 people there. Oh, it, was, uh, it was awesome. So oh, overall, very good weekend. We, um, I've been talking to Joe about this camp. I've, I've accepted the uh, invitation. We've got, uh, yes, yeah, so if, you, if you're not on Facebook and you are planning on coming, send us an email. I have got a list of people already. Um, it's going to be awesome. We've already got 17 people that said they're doing it, another 40 odd who said they're interested. So I think we'll get a good sort of 20 to 30 people doing it. Now, I did notice my mate Jeff the Ref, mm. he said he's doing it. I can't imagine he's going to be swimming and running. So <laughs> I think we might get people who are just doing the cycle when crash Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Although, so I was talking to Joe about it. I, I, I'm slightly concerned, John. Yes. Because the thing is, I'm not a triathlete anymore. Mm-hmm. Far from it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which I don't mind, it's life change. And I don't know if I can just like I, I'm not going to I'm not going to swim because we're doing oh, pool swim. Come on, we? go and do some sessions with Ian Wood down at um down at the Pioneer. Pioneer. Just come down for a few Tuesday morning swims. What Get time old, does he swim? He swims about sort of six thirty or something like that. Uh, but he'd be way quicker than me. No, uh, no, he won't be. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to swim much because we're doing three. What are we doing? Thirty-eight one hundred. Thirty-eight one hundred. Unless it's unless the water's warm enough, then we'll do an open water swim. Is it wetsuits in the pool? You can wear wetsuits. Okay, because I'll do Yeah. 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 <laughs> my energy, my old, my my any energy is coming out of the out of the woodwork, and then the bike ride's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, and so if I'm going to do any training, because I'm thinking I might do motor tech marathon. Right. Although I might be away, so I'm trying to find a marathon that I can do. It's just but but fun, lighthearted, nothing too crazy. So I'll be we're kind of run fit leading into it. So I'm going to give myself a month of bike training. Yep, that'd be adequate to complete it. Yeah, and, and completing it's going to be. But yeah. I was telling Joe, and she goes, to, she goes to me up there. Do you want me? To, do you want me to injure John? <laughs> That's what she said to me. <laughs> so watch out for Joe. We've got some people there that'll be fine. If, if, this thing, if you push it, you'll explode. There's no way I'll push it. But if you just ride along with the, the, the some of the star people, you'll but be the problem fine. will be heartbreaking for me, John, is because I gave up the sport and my kind of close to my peak. Mm. I never really had that decline. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of peaked it. Moved on. Just had an idea. So you carry on, but I've so got an idea. in my mind, I still think I'm the guy <laughs> who was, when we get to the bottom of the hill, we'll smash everyone up the hill. We're going to have King of the Mountains competition. We have a handicap. We'll all regroup at Little River, which no, is about... No, we'll get one, yeah? Oh, I think what we could do is split starts. Okay. We'll think it through. There'll be some com- competition component to this weekend. Well, what you could do is you could just get someone... Time, take your times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we have a handicap system based on Ironman time or something like that. Yeah. It's going to be a big weekend, Jumbo. It is. It'll be a big weekend. Mm. Um, any other goss? Um, no, not really. No? No. No. No, you have a goss. Went to see James Bond. Did you guys see James Bond? I've got, my, I've got uh, I found some two for one tickets online, so I bought those. And nice. we're going to be going in the next week or so. You, when you go to Hoyts, mm. you buy the $50, $15 a time. Oh, really? Mm. You buy the fifty dollar one, you get ten five tickets. Huh. That's the way to do it. Because Hoyts rip you off. They do. Yeah, it's like twenty bucks a ticket. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. Always come to you for a bargain, Bevan. So when it comes to movies, at least okay, John. That's pretty much. You got any other goss this week coming up? No, it's yeah. it. We've done four hours. Right. We've we done four hours. We started. You turn up. As a, yeah. Yeah. Four hours. We're committed. Iron Russ. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.